Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntris here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but today's guest on Word Balloon, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's right, the NBA all-star, the NBA icon, the important voice that sprang from the mid-60s and made an impact from his college years in UCLA, hell, his high school years in New York, to his uh, championship runs with the Milwaukee Bucks, giving that franchise its first ever championship, him and Oscar Robinson and the rest of the uh, excellent Bucks, his great years with the Lakers in the 70s and the 80s, and into uh, the career of Magic Johnson. This guy was, you know, exceptional. I, I don't even have to tell you more about his basketball accomplishments. You probably already know. But the man's been an incredible writer as well. He's the author of 12 books, and I really appreciate his perspective on on social issues, but he's also written kids' books. He just released a great book about his time with UCLA head coach John Wooden, not just his basketball playing years at UCLA, but really uh, spanning the rest of Coach Wooden's life. This was a lifelong friendship, and uh, it's a pretty amazing story, Coach Wooden and me. But we're here to talk about two things, mostly about his uh, new fiction that he's been writing about, of all things, Mycroft Holmes, Sherlock Holmes' older brother, a man that's only mentioned a few times in the original Arthur Conan Doyle stories, uh, has certainly has gotten more spotlight in some of the newer uh, modern reboots of Sherlock Holmes. I, in particular, love Mark Gattis's portrayal of, Holmes, of Mycroft, he's Holmes as well, in uh, Sherlock. Uh, I think a really fun character. Well, um, Kareem takes a different approach, a more steampunk League of Extraordinary Gentlemen sort of approach with Mycroft in a very fun, dashing adventure tale, and uh, it's called Mycroft Holmes and the Apocalypse Handbook. Uh, it's drawn by Joshua Kassara, and Kareem does the writing. It's uh, an amazing book. Raymond Obsfeld is uh, Kareem's co-writer, but this is a lot of fun. It collects uh, all five issues of uh, the uh, comic book that Titan put out, but it's a graphic novel now, and I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm not just pimping this because this is a celebrity writing a comic book. It's good. It's funny. It's great adventure. It's beautiful storytelling. The full package, and that's terrific and a relief. But also, we talk about Kareem's life as a comic book reader, and that's pretty amazing. And, you know, you hear the, the joy in my voice because I think we all get really excited when we learn that Patrick Stewart, Samuel L. Jackson... Ben Affleck, I'm, I'm just rattling off celebrities off the top of my head, who not only know the comic book world, but actually do read the books. You know, Patrick Stewart, a huge Warren Ellis fan, loves Transmetropolitan, wanted to play Spider-Jerusalem. Sam Jackson finds out that they, in a nod to him in Marvel, make him uh, Nick Fury in The Ultimates, and he's thrilled. Unlike Eminem, who wasn't so thrilled when uh, J.G. Jones and uh, Mark Miller... Uh, thought of him as the ideal lead for Wanted. But uh, Kareem is one of us, if I can uh, borrow the phrase from Freaks, the Todd Browning movie from the early 30s. One of us. And you will tell, because there's not too much basketball talk in this conversation with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's really about growing up loving comics. Where did he get them? You know, what were his favorites? Uh, Did he meet any of the great comic luminaries, given uh, his own status as an international star? Uh, you know, and also I wanted to know because Kareem has been very vocal, uh, not only about uh, throughout his life, about some of the uh, social uh, culture debates of the days going back to the 60s. I mean, this is a guy who stu- stood up, uh, changed his name from Luel Sindor to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, 
would speak out, I think, at, at social injustices uh, throughout his life, continues to do so now. He just wrote an excellent essay for The Hollywood Reporter that we talk about briefly. But uh, also I had to know if he was aware of uh, some of the arguments going on in uh, the comics and geek culture today. And uh, I kind of gave him an update. I hope I didn't uh, misrepresent the subjects. I don't think I did. But I uh, really wanted to get his point of view on what's going on. And he shared it. So this is delightful and, I think, informative conversation that goes beyond basketball. And uh, so much fun with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. And uh, I uh, can't uh, tell you enough how much I appreciate it, especially as I go into New York Comic Con this week. I'll be there. I'm not, I don't have any uh, panels or uh, anything uh, organized, uh, planned, beyond uh, just doing my usual thing of going on uh, the rounds of Artist Alley and uh, talking to people, trying to set up some future talks with folks we haven't had on the show before, but uh, also hopefully getting a chance to run into you and thank you for your particular support uh, for the cause. Thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners, through your support through Patreon. If you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, you don't have to. But uh, Word Balloon is free. I always try to stress that. It'll always be free. But uh, if you can help me out and you think uh, what you hear on Word Balloon might be worth, I don't know, the price of a comic book each month, uh, you can go to wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad there or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon and uh, subscribe to the Word Balloon podcast. I can't thank you enough. Uh, Over 250 strong. Thank you for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. We mention Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's new book, Mycroft Homes and the Apocalypse Handbook. They've got it there uh, at 25% off. It's only $12.74. And there's a lot of great Titan publishing product available at good prices from InStockTrades.com. You can get a lot of Tank Girl uh, volumes. Alan Martin's a wonderful book. Uh, not only Alan Martin, but also even Alan Grant did some writing and some other great writers as well. But you can get Tank Girl books uh, for uh, 25% off. They range in price from eleven twenty-one and as high as $14.96 from in-stock trades. There's also a great collection of Joe Simon and Jack Kirby 1940s and 50s sci-fi stories. Pretty neat stuff. It's the Simon and Kirby Science Fiction Collection. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Joe Simon doing some of the writing, some others as well, but uh, also uh, Jack Kirby, uh, the two of them on the art chores. And it even includes uh, their their uh, creation Blue Bolt in the collection. This is 25% off, $37.46. You'll find more great things. Uh, there's the Monster Massacre hardcover, another great collection of Golden Age stories. Again, from people like Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, Dave Wilkins among them. It's 25% off, $17.24. Check it out. You're going to find a lot of great books from Titan, including uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's wonderful take on Mycroft Homes at reduced prices at InStockTrades.com. Check, take a look today. You'll find great books at great prices. InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, I am so pleased to present this conversation with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I'm, I'm really glad uh, that he was uh, willing to share. You know, I feel like uh, we've we've uh, had him up in the treehouse, and uh, he's uh, he's uh, you know kind of sitting with us, cross-legged, and just uh, chewing the fat about uh, the things he loves about uh, not only comic books but comic strips as well, and uh, some other really uh, great. I mean, he runs the gamut of what he liked, uh, and I don't even want to spoil any names. I'll let I'll let uh, Kareem do that himself in this wonderful conversation. 
So here it is now, my talk with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on Word Balloon. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, welcome to Word Balloon. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and congratulations on some really fun Sherlock Holmes uh, universe adventures. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Absolutely. The Apocalypse Handbook, Mycroft Holmes and the Apocalypse Handbook, the, the graphic novel, you know, is it fair to say, in terms of without spoiling, kind of the beginnings of Mycroft's adventures that lead him to where we see him in the in the Conan Doyle novels? That, that's really what I was uh, trying to do. You, you hit it right on the head. You know, I was trying to give him some backstory. Uh, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle only mentions him about four or five times in all of the uh, uh, original stories. So uh, we really have no idea what made him who he ends up being in those stories. So uh, that left a whole huge area for me to deal with uh, with my imagination. And that's how we came up with uh, these uh, ideas about Micron. It's a lot of fun, the graphic novel in particular, because of the steampunk back setting that you put into it and the real people uh, that populate the story as well. And I, I, you know, I've heard you on a couple other interviews, and it sounds like you got intrigued by Mycroft in the same way that I think a lot of us readers did in terms of, you know, when, when Sherlock himself says he is the British government and obviously seems to be smarter than Holmes. Yeah, he has a, a, a different approach on... Uh, what we would call, uh, you know, genius, but it's very, uh, very formidable and very effective. And he's a, a troubleshooter for uh, Queen Victoria. And th- then that's it. That's all. That's all we're left with. You know, what do you go from here? <laughs> well, you you take it in some great directions. Were you aware? Because obviously you're one of us. And forgive me for even like suggesting that you wouldn't be. But it's always, as I'm sure you know, from maybe talking to other people in the geek culture it's like oh it's always so cool that like you know somebody like yourself is also into this stuff and also i'm wondering like what do you think of like when they call it the nerd culture or the geek culture i always have that like reflex of oh that's almost negative and you know we're more fun than that you know but we were the, we were the kids that like to read come on you know <laughs> and, and comic books were like uh, a guilty pleasure because all the teachers at school want us to be reading you know you know dickens and stuff like that <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the great thing is clearly uh, you were also such an adventure fiction fan of like Robert Louis Stevenson and Jules Verne. And, yeah. you know, that that influence is evident in uh, in the graphic novel in particular. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, some of these stuff, uh, Ivanhoe, you know, and sure. then the, the Sunday paper, what uh, the Prince Valiant and, you know, Mandrake, the magician. Yeah. Yeah. All those, I, I really I, I grew up on all of that stuff. Did you, um, I'm always interested because, you know, in the, these days we've got the specialty comic book stores and stuff. Did you get your comics at the newsstand, the candy store? What was your young experience like with, with, with buying comics? Uh, the candy store. Cool. Uh, here uh, in my, in my uh, on the main street in my neighborhood, you know, Dykeman Street. <laughs> That's fantastic. Did, uh, I guess you grew up more in the, in the D.C. era or did you read more than just uh, superhero comics? Uh, DC era, you know, with a few, you know, Donald Ducks in there. Sure. And, uh, you know, later on, Flash and uh, what was that? Blackhawks and all, all that. Oh, yeah. So, That's excellent. Yeah. Did um, did you have, uh, like, favorite artists or favorite writers? Were you able to, like, kind of figure out once they started putting the credits on, like, oh, this is the good writer or the good artist? Well, well later on, you know, when I got into the uh, more adult stuff, uh so that would have been in the 70s and 80s. Uh, you know, I, I subscribed to uh, heavy metal. 
I really liked uh, Bilal, sure. uh, Richard Corbin, Mobius, those guys. I, I really enjoyed uh, their stuff. That's fantastic. You know, you're a world traveler. Did you ever have a chance to meet some of the, the classic uh, comic book writers or artists? Uh, no, but I, I didn't. I met Stan Lee. That's cool. <laughs> that counts. Cooler than everything, man. I, you know, I was sat next to him on the plane, uh, flying cross country, and uh, midway through, you know, we started, we struck up a conversation. Uh, it's Stan Lee, and uh, oh my god! <laughs> you know, I told him about all, all, all the comic books I'd read. He, he was, he was thrilled. Nice guy. That's fantastic. Um, you know, back to the Holmes world. Based on some of these interviews I heard, you grew up like I did on the uh, Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce movies. I'm guessing on television. Yeah. Yeah, on uh, on Saturdays, me and my boys at, at somebody's TV, you know, <laughs> whoever's mother would tolerate us. We'd, we'd watch it and make sure we didn't mess up the furniture and stuff. <laughs> Are you watching any of the current adaptations of Holmes? Or, given that you're writing in this world... Are you kind of like, I know Max Brooks and uh, Robert Kirkman kind of avoided each other in the zombie world because they, they didn't want to steal each other's ideas. But are you are you watching any of like Sherlock or Elementary or that stuff? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, both of them. I, I, and I thought that they're, they're both really well portrayed. Those guys really understand Sherlock, and, and, you know, in their portrait of him. Sure. Uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And, uh, you know, great adapt- adaptations of that mindset uh, to the 21st century. thought that was remarkable. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll confess that Elementary, because they made Watson a woman, it kind of bummed me out. I think Lucy Liu's a fine actor, and I, and I think Johnny M- Lee Miller is a fine actor. But, you know, I, I always felt like Holmes and Watson really was this, like, bromance. You know, two men who really did love each other and, you know, just admired the hell out of each other. Yeah, yeah, that, well, you know, that's... The classic take on it. Uh, so you know, when you get away from that, it it's different. But it, uh, they they really understand uh, who who Holmes is. Okay, and uh, really, you know, make it uh, uh, believable. I hear you, man. That's cool. Um, I uh, I also want to know. I saw your uh, panel at Comic Con last year in San Diego, and have you? Had you been to Comic-Con before? Are you a guy that, uh, have you ever gone to any of these comic conventions? I, I'd gone one time previous to that. What do you think? <laughs> is it fun um, or is it too crazy or too much? Well, I mean, everybody else, they can go to Las Vegas and that crazy. Why can't, you know, comic book fans go someplace and that crazy? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, uh, all, all everybody's like living their fantasy, you know, <laughs> uh, amongst a whole lot of other aliens. <laughs> Are there other like you know sci-fi things that you're into? Do you like? Are you a Star Trek guy? Or are you a Star Wars guy? Both. Uh, I watched Star Trek a little bit, but uh, I was going to college at that time, and you know, just <laughs> studied. And it made it impossible to see the Star Trek or get an F, and I wasn't going to do that. I hear you. No, I understand. You were busy, and man, I'll tell you, it was a, it was fun as a kid. Uh, watching your, your your college career and also and also your pro career and uh, one of my first uh, scholastic biographies was you and it was it was a pleasure to read and I also thought uh, really last year or two years ago that HBO documentary did an incredible job I thought oh, thank you. yeah we please for... yeah I, I absolutely did you know and and congratulations on the on the book about you and Coach Wooden. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading that. That's going to be some uh, good wintertime reading for me. I know it came out in the spring, 
but uh, a really nice part of the documentary was this this incredible relationship he had with John Wooden. Yeah, it was uh, not a whole lot of stuff that I wanted to go public with because it was so personal, you know, and private. That's how I felt about it. Uh, something that I wanted to protect, you know. But I, I really, I was convinced that uh, you know I needed to share it, and you know I'm glad I did it. Well, you know, you're incredibly prolific. Um, Twelve books, is that right? Twelve, yeah. And uh, you know, and now the comic as well. Uh, what uh, what's compelling you to to write at this stage in in your life? Well, you know, just being an avid reader my whole life, most people like us think that we have a, a, a great book in us, you know. Sure. <laughs> so I gave it a shot, you know, and I I, I managed to do pretty well, you know. I, I, and I stuck to what I knew. My my first book was a history book one that I absolutely felt needed to be written and uh, it did well. So, uh, you know, that, that encouraged me and, you know, I've stuck with it. What was that first history book? What, what part of history was it about? It's an overview of black history. And uh, I, I kind of focus on, on the U.S., but just to explain black history. Have you, as far as the, the geek culture, have you, uh, you know, gone back and looked at some of the, the great uh, black uh, comic creators like Matt Baker from the 40s and 50s and uh, Ron Moore, uh, a great uh, 70s, you know, Marvel Marvel artist. And, uh, you know, certainly Dwayne McDuffie, a more recent example, the late uh, great uh, Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, people like that. No, I'm not familiar with them. And, you know, it, it's uh, too bad because in all probability I've seen their stuff, but, you know, I, I can't identify them as uh, – <laughs> black uh, uh, cartoonists just, uh, you know, admired the quality of, of their art. I, I think, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, because honestly, you, you obviously had a different life experience than, than I did. And, and also, I'm a, maybe I'm a generation behind you. I'm in my early 50s. But, I'm, but I wonder, as kids that grew up during the space age, I think it really opened up our imaginations to a lot of possibilities. And as someone that's slightly older, I wonder what, how you felt about that. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, because, you know, I, I can... I can remember when Sputnik went up. There you go. And, that, you know, that was like a big deal. You know, all the people that had uh, listened to Tom Corbett, Space Cadet on. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> one, one step closer. Right. Well, and also, like, didn't, and forgive me, but I wonder if you felt the same way. I, I, and, I, and I know that the, the laws of science don't work this way, but I thought for sure by the 21st century, we'd all have jetpacks. And we all be cruising around in jetpacks because it really seemed like in the sixties they were really close. I mean, you'd see them at like half times. I don't know if they did it in uh, college basketball or the NBA, but I certainly saw it in college football and pro football. They have jetpacks now that work. Well, but I'm saying that we'd all own them. <laughs> you know, that we'd all be flying around like the Jetsons in our jetpacks. I'm through with was the flying car, man. Come on, <laughs> that's the one. That's true. It is cooler. That's yeah. fantastic. What did you? You know, again. Um, when they really started in the '60s, having more black characters and stuff, was that, you know, was that was that great, or was that okay? Here's another superhero. Uh, it was like, it was everything was fraught with so much, you know, passion about it. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be abnormal, uh, but it was, and it was, geez, you know, what is this? <laughs> sure. And uh, it, it was kind of that kind of thing. I hear you. Back to the graphic novel, um, I, I love the art. Did you have supervising, you know, kind of power to say, yeah, let's go with this uh, this team as far as the art team? Well, yeah, we, we had 
some, but you know, we wanted to let the guys do their thing. You know, I, I they didn't tell us how to how to write the story, so I'm not going to tell them how to interpret it uh, visually as long as they they stick to the story, and they did a great job. They sure did. Yeah. It's yeah, very yeah. clear storytelling, I think, and yeah, very very clear, and uh, you know, they they got it done the right way. I, I'm 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 thrilled with him, and and the colorist, uh, he, he he did a did a great job. Absolutely, that's great. Are you reading any current comics these days? Well, I found out that Heavy Metal has uh, started to publish again. Yep. And I've gotten, uh, I, I got my hands on a few uh, recent copies of it uh, just yesterday. And uh, it was great. That's cool. So, yeah, and uh, they've done some nice uh, reproductions of, of the comics from the you know 30s and 40s and 50s. Yeah, oh, really? And so, yeah, are you reading those? Are you reading any of those, like, uh, the well, comic they, strip, uh, you know, collections and things like that? Yeah, yeah, like uh, Phantom. They had a, a nice Phantom uh, one. Uh, I, I used to read that that in Mandrake I, on Sundays. Sure, uh, absolutely, man. I'd keep up with what was happening with Mandrake and Prince Valiant, as you said earlier too. I, you know, yeah, you know, that's the. I, I'm kind of bummed that, you know, I mean, they they do still newspaper comics do exist, and in fact, you can even subscribe to them digitally and get them delivered daily and stuff from from things like King Features Syndicate, but. Um, you know, there really, there really was some magic there, and also they weren't written for ten year olds. I mean, adults were following Steve Canyon and Mandrake yep. and the Phantom and all that. Exactly, and uh, I remember a, a good friend of mine in in Chicago. He had flown in the Korean War, and uh, so I, I just uh, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking like 15 years ago. I, I was in a store and I ran across a, a copy of Smiling Jack. <laughs> And I jumped on it and got in and I sent it to him because that was his nickname. Wow. Smiling Jack Childers. And uh, I, sent, I sent Jack a, a, a compilation of uh, several episodes of uh, Smiling Jack that, you know, every, every Sunday in the comics. He I've, was very cool. I understood, man. You know, and, and I think, you know, a, a few decades ago they were kind of reprinting comics, but it seems like some of these companies now are doing it a lot more. And I'm glad. One like that, like. Uh, Smiling Jack and uh, and Steve Cannon, uh, Johnny Hazard is one that I kind of yeah. rediscovered. Frank Robbins' uh, adventure uh, strip. Yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Oh, that's cool. You know, he ended up doing Marvel work in the seventies, and and he was doing the Invaders, doing uh, Captain America stories from World War Two. Wow, Pretty- yeah, because those guys were like World War Two addicts, man. And what was the, the um. Terry and the Pirate. Absolutely, and yeah, that Kniff's uh, before he did Steve Canyon. That was his uh, his first strip. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Good stuff. You mentioned Chicago. You know, I'm based in Chicago, and a good friend of mine is uh, was your old play by play guy for the Bucks, Chet Kopic. Oh yeah, you know Chet. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I come from sports radio. It's uh, comics are my passion, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I started the the podcast was to to give these guys their due. You know, they're they're as I'm sure you know as an admirer of comic books and, and graphic novels, I think these guys are, are coming up with incredible ideas and deserve the same kind of platform as filmmakers and, and great you know TV screenwriters and the like, and novelists, certainly. And they, they come up with these alternate universes that, that people can get into, and uh, you know, they become part of popular culture. It's, uh, it's great. And I'm really glad that you're uh, writing your essays. I, I really appreciate it. Wasn't it in The Hollywood Reporter where you... Kind of sat yourself down and watched three days of Fox TV. Oh yeah, but uh, 
you know, sometimes it, that, that turns into a blur, you know. <laughs> I give you the uh, credit for uh, being able to, you know, get through three days like that. That's pretty tough, man. <laughs> yeah, that's something I want to be doing all the time. I, I understand. Hey, were there other athletes that liked uh, comics, you know, when you were when you were getting heavy metal in the 70s? Were there other, you know, Lakers or Bucks that uh, enjoyed reading uh, comics that you were aware of? Not that I was aware of. Oh, so it was kind of your secret, like, you know, did you did you feel like you had to kind of be like, all right, I don't want anyone catching me reading this stuff, man. <laughs> well, it's just that, you know, that was work. I, I didn't bring the stuff I did at home to work. I understand. You know, get upset that, you know, the other guys weren't into it because uh, it's, uh, it's an acquired taste, definitely. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, do, are you aware of any of the, you know, again, because, and the, one of the reasons why I mentioned the Hollywood Reporter piece is you're obviously willing to be on the front line of the current culture wars. And I'm wondering, did you, are you aware of uh, some of the stuff that was happening in the geek community? Uh, we're kind of having the same debate uh, involving comics, as they are in terms of, you know, uh, the current American society and even, the, obviously, the, the political game as well. Are you aware of uh, what's happening in the geek community as far as that goes? No, I didn't know there were any uh, ongoing, like, controversies or anything. What's happening? Well, there, you know, um, I think the people in the LGBTQ community, they want more representation, not only in terms of characters, but in terms of creators, writers, and artists as well. And then um, the right is complaining that um, a lot of the current uh, writers, at, especially at DC and Marvel, they're, they're saying that they're social justice warriors in terms of creating more female characters, more characters of color, more characters of different orientation. And they're like, hey, I just want my, you know, uh, straight up Iron Man, Spider-Man stories and, and don't, you know, don't put the politics in it. Well, yeah, I think uh, there's room for everybody. I mean, that's what we have to come to understand. I mean, there's no need to be fighting over all of this. There is room for everybody to uh, have their say and uh, have their moment and their little niche. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm in agreement with you, sir. What, uh, are you, have you had a chance to watch uh, the films and the, and the new TV shows? I'm, I'm interested, what, you know, like, I personally, I think Marvel is, you know, with the Netflix shows, they're, they're killing it. And I wonder what oh, your yeah. thoughts were. Yeah, Mar Marvel's been pretty good, and uh, you know, on on the big screen, the, uh, the Alien series has has. I'm I'm getting annoyed though. <laughs> Why are you getting annoyed? Because they they won't explain it. You know where these things came from and why. The the, the very first one, you, you, or the first two rather, you, you get an idea that the the company that sent the, the, these mining th uh, ships out there knew what was happening and wanted to get the, and it, nobody explains anything. You know, there's been like five or six movies and I don't know, Sigourney Weaver is transformed into uh, who, who knows what. Uh, <laughs> I don't disagree with you, man. I, that's and, awesome. And then like on the, the, the what was it? Uh, uh, Prometheus. Mm -hmm. Right at the beginning, I'm like, oh, they're going to, because it had seen, you know, and then, no, no, it's just, <laughs> Well, now what is it? You know, that's fantastic. We need you in the in the idea room, man. You gotta you gotta correct the writers' room, and they, no, man, you gotta go a different way. Did you feel that way back in the eighties 
when 2010 came out. It was just on uh, Turner Classic Movies this week. And I have to say, I do like that movie a lot, but it really is like kind of a simplistic answer to the Rubik's Cube question that Stanley Kubrick asked of us back in, you know, the 60s. Uh, well, at least I, as an initial uh, explanation of, of that particular, you know, happening, I, I thought it was it was well done. I, I, I thought it, they needed some follow-up by, by the writers to, to explain how that developed into some kind of story that we could get our teeth into because it, it, it was intriguing what, what, you know, what happened? Agreed. No, and I hope they eventually will do uh, the third book that Clark made, where uh, somebody unfreezes Frank Poole in three thousand one, and oh. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that uh, coming out about uh, twenty years ago or so. Yeah, that that that, that would be interesting. <laughs> I know you know you're a big uh, a jazz fan, which I really admire as well. And truly, back in the day, and forgive me for bringing up a bad memory, but when you when your house burned down in your jazz collection burnt up seriously man i'm like oh that's horrible i mean obviously the the tragedy in itself of the house but to also lose that incredible jazz collection i really man that's that's just heartbreaking uh, at least it was fate you know it wasn't like you know an old girlfriend came and destroyed it or something like that <laughs> it was fate you know and no one got hurt i i, yeah. I could with it and everything has been re-released by now on uh, cd that's true are you now as someone who really did grow up such a jazz purist and stuff, where are you on the vinyl versus CD uh, debate? Uh, I just, this CD is so much more uh, accessible, and I like the fidelity. You know, I don't sure. you know, you play a vinyl. It sounds like somebody's frying an egg. In, in the- <laughs> you know, that's yeah. interesting, though, because sometimes, you know, the, the string instruments sound a little purer. And even some, you know, I don't know, man, I, I understand what you're saying. And maybe depending on the level of recording and especially, you know, the 40s before really uh, multi-track recording started happening yeah. and stuff. No, yeah. I get that. Are you also a jazz fan in terms of even if fidelity isn't good, where you find like a 1939 Billie Holiday performance? And you're like, oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, do you get excited as far as that kind of historical live recording versus the, the beautiful stereo of a, of a studio? Uh, well, I, I really have enjoyed the way they've re-engineered some of those old recordings and gotten so much more out of them. Uh, there was one uh, that uh, was a Carnegie Hall uh, performance by Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. Wow. And they, they just found it, you know, only like about 10 or 15 years ago, and they re-engineered it for today's sound and put it on a CD, and it's incredible. That's awesome, man. Sarah Vaughn and Dizzy Gillespie, I got to see them live before before they passed, and I was I was very pleased to, to have those experiences. Are there any current jazz recordings or, or anything in your collection that you're willing to recommend to the audience? Jeez, I, I can recommend a, a relatively new artist, uh, Robert Glasper. Okay. He's, a pian- he, he's, he's awesome. Uh, there's a vibra- vibe player, uh, Warren Wolf. I love the vibes. Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah, what? check out Warren Wolf. You'll you'll really like him. And you know, we just lost Bobby Hutchison. That that's that was really that was tough on me. I hear uh, you, man. No, and um, and, and what does Glassberger play? Uh, Robert Glasper. Or Glasper. He he's a pianist. Oh, he is a pianist. That's fantastic. All right, cool. Because I am. I'm a I'm an Oscar Peterson guy, and uh, certainly Monk. Well, you know, you love Robert Glasper. He's he's incredible. That's awesome. 
Well, yeah. and he really respects the tradition. That's fantastic. And, you know, isn't it interesting? It's really hard to find. I don't know uh, where you live if there's a good jazz station to kind of keep us abreast of what's going on. In Chicago, it's really hard. And, frankly, I watch the uh, jazz channels on my cable system to kind of find out, like, you know, newer artists and what's going on and, and newer newer bands. Go online. You can get the WBGO out of New York. That's WBGO out of New York, and you get the K-Jazz out of uh, L.A. here. We, we have a great jazz station. That's awesome, and it's shameful. Uh, well, at least, you know, Chicago's still representing as far as the blues go. We've got some good blues shows uh, still in Chicago, so we're... we're right, and just the, the, the whole live uh, blues performance thing is still happening in Chicago, and I, I really think that that's what keeps it alive. So I, I, I'm happy that, that, that that's going on. That's great, man. No, and I agree. And, you know, we just had our Jazz Fest uh, at the beginning of September and stuff, so uh, I agree with you. No, there's, that's good. I just, yeah, like I said, I kind of wish that radio would still represent, especially being a radio guy myself, but what are you going to do? But that's good. You gave us two good streaming uh, jazz recommendations, so that's, that's excellent. Well, I don't want to keep you, sir. You, you've been uh, gracious with your time, and uh, congratulations on uh, the wonderful Mike Roth Holmes work you're doing. I hope uh, more stories are coming in the future. And uh, hey, you know, continued success to you, and, and thanks for you know all your helping me uh, promote the uh, the Apocalypse Handbook. Uh, I'm I'm really thankful of that. Oh, it's our pleasure, Kareem. Uh, no, it's a it's a great graphic novel, and uh, I'm I'm really glad you're doing both uh, prose and graphic novels to explore Mycroft Holmes. And further, thanks for still being on the front lines, man, because we need people like you that have the perspective of the social changes that have gone on in the past and they're going on right now. And it's great to have your perspective and, and influence on what's happening. Well, I'm happy to share and, you know, thanks for listening. Man, what a thrill for a guy that grew up watching uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play basketball and be an important part of uh, the conversation, the social conversation of the last few decades. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, thank you to Titan Publishing and Kareem's people as well for uh, agreeing to the interview. I hope uh, Kareem had a good time. Sounded like he did. I heard him laughing a few times and, uh, you know, hoping uh, that it's a, it was a, a fun trip down uh, memory lane and also what's going on today with uh, this uh, very amazing person. Hope you enjoyed today's Word Balloon. I sure as hell did myself. It was again brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Uh, I will be at New York Comic Con, and I uh, look forward to seeing you there if you're uh, a listener and uh, enjoying the show and plan on attending the uh, great con that will be happening from Thursday through Sunday, and I'll be there most days. Uh, I may may or may not be there on Sunday, but I'm certainly going to be there Thursday through Saturday. So uh, give me the chance to thank you personally for listening to Word Balloon and supporting Word Balloon if you are a League of Word Balloon listener and subscriber. Uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash wordballoon and uh, clicking on the page. And uh, if you think Word Balloon is worth the price of a comic each month, that would be great. I can't thank uh, the 250 strong League of Word Balloon listeners for their continued support in making Word Balloon what it is. It's also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where, again, you can get this uh, wonderful book, Mycroft Holmes and the Apocalypse Handbook. It's uh, 25% off there and just $12.74. That's 25% off the retail price of $16.99. Great book. Great value. If, you, you know, if, you're, if your store's already ordered it, grab it there. 
But uh, In Stock Trades does have it for you at 25% off. There's a lot more great books that are uh, available now at InStockTrades.com. We've talked a bit about them this week. Uh, one in particular that I really love, a really fun action story from Kyle Starks and uh, Chris Schweitzer, and that's Rock Candy Mountain. Um, I am a newbie when it comes to the work of Kyle Starks, but I think he's hilarious. Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, this is uh, meet uh, the unbeatable hobo Jackson on his quest to find the mythical hobo heaven. You can meet his sidekick Pomona Slim, but also watch out for the devil and the FBI and the hobo mafia too. Uh, kind of uh, almost an American uh, uh, 180 from what uh, Kareem's doing with Mycroft Holmes, but this is uh, steampunk of a different kind. Rock Candy Mountain is uh, just, let's see here, 50% off. It's only $4.99 at InStockTrades.com. You can get The Punisher by Garth Ennis Omnibus, the hardcover, a new printing. Garth Ennis, so many great artists involved with this. A great Tim Bradstreet, not only cover, but also some uh, Tim Bradstreet interiors as well. Uh, 42% off. It's just $58 at InStockTrades. There's a whole lot more, too. We mentioned some of the other great Titan books you can get at InStockTrades.com, like Simon and Kirby's Hardcover Science Fiction. Uh, this uh, collection features a lot of their Golden Age science fiction stories. When you think about it, in some ways, these are the building blocks to what came with Challenges of the Unknown and Fantastic Four and so many other great science fiction ideas that Kirby had on his own. We'll reach back now and check out his work with Joe Simon as well, sometimes writing always helping, collaborating on the art choice. I always say the Simon and Kirby art has an energy and style all of its own. You can't miss that Kirby energy. But Joe Simon's finishes really makes it a different-looking product in the best possible way. Well, that book is uh, 25% off, $37.46. Or you can get Monster Massacre that features a lot of work from uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And uh, that's 25% off, just $17.24. All available to you now at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. More great stuff coming. We've just started in October with uh, not only this episode, but Dirk Wood uh, at IDW has an amazing uh, volume coming out called The Full Bleed. And uh, if you like the McSweeney anthologies of writers and collections of essays and stories, that's kind of the vein that Dirk is going for in Full Bleed. Wonderful essays, wonderful articles, interviews, Comics, can't forget about the comics, but all in this incredible package, uh, an Alan Moore interview, Shelley Bond talking to Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance and DC's Young Animal, uh, a look at Douglas Adams by the showrunner of Dirk Gently, the BBC America series. I wonder if uh, Kareem watches Dirk Gently. But uh, it's, it's really a great collection, and Dirk is a really smart guy. And we have a really fun, involved conversation, not only about this project, but also his view on the comic market today. Uh, he's been a marketing director for IDW and before that Dark Horse for so many years and a big part of the comic book business. And I always appreciate his point of view, and I think he's got a great sense of humor, too. Dirk Wood, on the other release that came out today from Word Balloon, I encourage you to check it out and hope you enjoyed as much as you enjoyed today's episode, or even more. Who knows? Maybe you didn't like today's episode. I sure did. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 200, 2017.